Welcome to Palmcast. This episode is sponsored by Travelling Yarn. Fall has arrived, sweater weather is finally here, and Travelling Yarn has sweater quantities of gorgeous hand-dyed yarn in stock. Travelling Yarn is a hand-dyed yarn company, consisting of two distinct lines of artisan yarn by Sarah Wharton in Phoenix, Arizona. Their flagship line, Less Travelled Yarn, features colourways that cross the spectrum, from subtle tonals to brightly speckled and variegated, with fun and creative names to match. Their brand new line, Proclamation Fibres, combines natural fibre and organic dyes to create colourways that will make you swoon. See more at Travelling Yarn on Instagram and visit TravellingYarn.com to shop. And this is fantastic. The lovely guys at Travelling Yarn have given you a promo code to use on their checkout. Woo! So just use the promo code POMPOM, P-O-M, P-O-M, if you didn't know how. All caps. All caps, that's a... Uh, the code POMPOM at the checkout for 20% off your order at Travelling Yarn. Hello! And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by POMPOM Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm here with... Sophie Scott. Hi, welcome back. We're here again as we are every month uh, with news, reviews... Tidbits and uh, knit bits. Ooh, that was good. Knit bits. Uh, for your listening ears. Uh, so come and join along. Um, the end. <laughs> and that was the episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, this month we have our usual news and reviews, as Sophie said. Um, and we have a wonderful interview mm-hmm. with Katie Green, illustrator extraordinaire whose name you may recognize from some of the work she's done for us or you might recognize it from elsewhere yes indeed um so we'll be keeping you up to date with what's happening in the magazine pom-pom quarterly if you didn't already know that's uh the foundation the cast on row if you will of this podcast we'll also be chatting about what we'll be we've been doing knit wise uh what we're going to be doing knit wise pearl wise pearl wise Ooh. hey catch you on the wrong side that's like a <laughs> Why isn't that segment? Okay, there? note to self. If I had a dictaphone, I'd be like, note to self. New segment for podcast. Wrong side. Uh, well, wrong side. <laughs> uh, we've also got text files, which is actually a segment we have. Mm-hmm. And we end with top three. Um, so welcome back. Welcome if you're just joining. Uh, we'll start with a little catch up. I mean, Lydia, what's been going on? As if I didn't know. Like, what, <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, well, I have... I spent a bit of time. We had a lovely sunny weekend, lovely mm-hmm. autumnal sunny weekend. Ooh, weather, yes. weather chat, weather chat, quick weather it, chat. It is. Uh, you should be able to place bets, like how soon <laughs> the episode we can get before. Like anyway, the weather. Is, I think uh, we need to have like a little like weather buzzer that goes off when we start <laughs> talking about the weather. We'll work on it, guys. Um, anyway, I was at the. Uh, I'm very lucky to have part of an allotment mm-hmm. in London, and I went from. Basically knowing zero about plants at about January of this year to now knowing 2% about plants, <laughs> which I think is quite good. It's quite yeah. a lot of plant knowledge thus far. So went to the allotment and potted around, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some potatoes recently, which were delicious. Very Still got some purple beans. The beans are going. They're having a wild time. They yeah. just keep on growing. I've been waging a war against some bindweed. Which is actually quite fun because I'm allowed to just like really not like bindweed. Right. I'd be really angry when I see it and I dig it up. And you're <laughs> you're good at like not caring and killing a plant already. So you're like, I've had practice with that. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, that sounds cruel, but no. <laughs> Lydia has killed a lot of plants. So. I know. I used to just refuse to have plants because I would be so sad when they died and they would inevitably die. But touch wood. Yeah. I am currently keeping several plants alive. We've got some nice plants in the studio. I'm just admiring our, what is it, bird's foot? Fern, something like that, and we've got Noxalis, and I don't so- know what the red guy is, but it's called Beverly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just keep an eye on Bev. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I did a little bit of um, the old gardening, played some tennis, you know, making stuff. It's a nice active weekend. Yeah, it was good. Oh. Was out and about, had a delicious uh, meal in a calf, which is near the allotment. Felt like a. Um, I don't know. Felt like a very grown-up person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like a segment from that seventies comedy show, The Good Life. It really does, doesn't it? Really, really enjoy The Good Life. Not ironically, in any way. It's, it really it's just a great show. It's a great show. And how um, about you? How about me? Um, well, potting around, doing stuff, bread chat. I actually got a loaf out of the oven this morning. Oh. Didn't have time to slice it, but I was like. Oh. Could chat about that on the podcast, but it, it looked like bread. So, uh, oh, it's good. Stage one, it's not good. Um, but yeah, of course, there's all the stuff that's happening in the pom pom world. Most of the dates that we told you about last episode of uh, festivals where you can see us, they're still the same. But let's uh, remind you of those dates because uh, coming up at the end of this month, we have Yarndale, 29th to 30th of September. Then we have Knit City. 29th to 30th of September. Yes, those are the same dates. <laughs> so bear in mind, uh, Yarndale is in Skipton in Yorkshire. So the UK POM team will be there. And then Knit City in Canada. It's in uh, Vancouver. We're joined by... Uh, well, uh, we're at the Julia Celine booth. Mm-hmm. I say we, it's the Royal We. It's all the POM. The POM. <laughs> Omnipom that we are. <laughs> Omnipomnants. <laughs> Um, so Megan, co-editor, uh, founder, she'll be there. And also they'll be joined by Julie Assonant, as I just said, and uh, Hoagie and Vera of the Interpretations Ooh. fame. And also Andrew Maori of uh, Find Your Fade fame. So if you've lost your fade, you can find it again. Indeed. Uh, so we're very happy to be spanning the two uh, continents in that way. Yeah. And then um, so we're back over in the US again for Rhinebeck. That's the 20th and 21st of October. Very excited. Many, many poms will be there. So uh, again, the Omnipom <laughs> uh, presence. We're looking forward to pretzels and to meeting any of you uh, Pomcast fans or yep. Pom fans Indeed. who would like to come and say hello. We would love to, to see you. And we will have issue 27 mm-hmm. and our book um, with Emily Foden of Viola Yarns, Knits About Winter, will be released there as well. Yeah. And of course, we'll have many other pom-pom publications and products. Yeah. We'll also have some, yeah, you say products. We'll have some new merchandise. Woo! Which I'm very excited about because I love a bit of merch. Yep, same. Very excited uh, to bring that up. Just all excited. <laughs> and come along to the pom-pom booth, not only for the merch, but we'll have interesting pom friends doing signings uh more information on the blog uh coming up and also of course all the social media forums and places where you can usually find information on the internet pom facts pom facts we're pom pom mag pretty much everywhere instagram twitter all those sort of things and also of course there's ravelry you can find all the information and there's a podcast group she's horning all the information in now <laughs> and of course if you didn't know already we always have our blog post on the pompom.com uh, website which um details everything we talk about in the blog post with links phew all right <laughs> <laughs> that's pompommag.com just for just for clarity indeed um so 
Issue 26, you know, we love it. We know you guys do too. That's our autumn issue. Um, we've reprinted it. We certainly Ooh. have resurrected it. <laughs> it's like a new moon rising again. Yes, exactly. So um, that second round of issue 26 will be on its way soon, but you can keep an eye on the uh, aforementioned social media areas to find out when. Indeed. On, I think, because I mentioned Viola book, mm-hmm. we also have some other, um, it's about winter slash Viola book activities in November. Mm-hmm. Um, at Loop Knitting Shop in Angel, where many Pom Pom team members met and what used to work and continue to frequent. <laughs> so um, we're having our UK launch on the 17th of November. The tickets for that have sold out, um, but we're excited to see those of you who managed to grab a ticket. Um, but there are still tickets available for Emily's classes. Mm-hmm. She's doing some workshops at Loop. Yeah, exactly. So you can uh, check the blog for more info on that. Uh, and we will have, we also be having some events in Canada. So keep an eye on the social medias for more info about that. Emily, of course, is from Toronto and lives just outside of Toronto. So of course, it makes sense for us to also be celebrating her book in Canada. Mm. Uh, so many things happening around the world. I mean, we wish we could be all the places, but hopefully there's a little corner of your pom world, maybe a local shop that you can uh, meet other pom pals, get your wool fix. <laughs> Either way, we're there with you in spirit. Indeed. So tell and tell. We like to tell each other what we're knitting and tell you guys. It's like a show and tell, but uh, you'll have to go on the blog to see more of it. <laughs> it's like a show and tell without the show. I mean, we do do a lot of show and tell in this office, don't we? Like, so yeah. <laughs> just a little pause from the emails, just to show you this. Um, so I'm making some things from Knits About Winter. Excellent. Uh, aforementioned book. Everything's Emily. aforementioned in this podcast. I like the word aforementioned. Like you, you find out a new word, you like, get just this in. use this all the time. Yeah. It's like when I learn what penultimate meant. Yeah. What a great love, word. Love penultimate. Uh, I've been making a few things from... Uh, Emily's book, including a hat and a scarf. Mm-hmm. But as if we haven't officially released the book, I can't give lots of details. But I can say that I'm very much enjoying making the things from said book. And it's making me... Because um, the book is a, a real sort of celebration of winter in many ways, of winter through Emily's eyes. And she has a very particular kind of colour um, color sense and aesthetic. And you know, anybody who's seen her yarn... Oh, and she's also, you know, des- done designs for us in the past and for John Arbor and, and mm. you know, her for her own stuff. Um, yeah, so winter through her eyes and I'm knitting wintry things and getting excited about winter and I'm excited for other people to see the book too and also getting excited about winter. Uh, so that's my making news, I think. So good, yeah. I'm excited about this as well. <laughs> um, so what am I doing? I'm trying... There's a lot of things I want to start. Some from Knits About Winter, some from Issue 27, mm. and I'm doing some swatching, but also I've dug a couple of projects out of hibernation. Mm. You know what it's like when you've had just things sit? And these have kind of been kind of in the... Not the naughty corner, but in like <laughs> the hermetically sealed box that I have for like projects in progress, but uh, probably been about a month since I've picked these... Not, mm. not a month, the other unit of time. A year. <laughs> A day? Yeah. No. <laughs> was that? What's the thing I mean? An hour? No, no. And I was knitting a jumper for my dad, which was a Brooklyn tweed oh, yeah. pattern called Sawyer. And I flat on myself. I'm a pretty good knitter, right? Mm. 
I can work a neck and a shoulder shaping at the same time. For the life of me, could not get this friggin' thing right. Oh no. I feel like sometimes it's almost kind of random what foxes you when mm. it comes to knitting. You'll be like, this looks very straightforward. And it's like, ah! And yeah. then vice versa will be like, oh my god, this looks so complicated. And it turns out it's... I think the one thing, I don't know if, dear listeners, you've experienced this, the one thing that foxed me was that the it's not just a stocking stitch pattern, it's like a waffle stitch mm-hmm. thing where you end up knitting in the stitch below. And mm. that's completely sort of screwed my brain. I'm not able to read the knitting. Like, I can't see what's already been done. And I Is think, it a bit brioche Kind of, yeah. It, but it's sort of, it has like a looped kind of, it looks mm. like you've picked up a stitch below, like a looped yeah. kind of wrap or something. Mm. And it looks great, and it's kind of very light and warm. So the texture of it's like very exciting. But um, I got it. I dug it out again, and the amount I had left to do was this ten centimeters at the top of it. You know, the front of the jumper. I've done the sleeves, I've done the back. Oh, wow! And I had this ten <laughs> centimeters, and I spent like twenty minutes looking at it, like. What what was past me thinking? Like, why didn't I just do this? But I've done that so sense. many times where, like, just literally you lose yeah. patience with something at the right. And, like, I've yeah, I've done that exact same thing where I've had something sitting in hibernation yeah. for years. And I'm like, better dig that thing out. Yeah. Oh, boy, I better have got loads left to do. And I'm like, oh, literally, I just have to cast off a sleeve. Why didn't I just yeah. do it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the psychology is behind that. But I think one of the things I didn't do, classic mistake, didn't read the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> overrated I know so the design it has like a a placket which is a great word placket wonderful word so you end up as good as aforementioned yeah. <laughs> the aforementioned placket um, you end up doing the two sides separate so you go right side and your left side of your if you're looking at the front mm. of the jumper imagine that um, but you work them simultaneously mm-hmm. and I don't know I wasn't in the mood to do this simultaneous I was like yeah sure whatever instructions so I didn't, and then I ended up just reading the pattern out of whack. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you keep knitting until you have this many stitches, and doing a decrease was like, oh, I've now run out of stitches. I'm sure that's fine. And I ended up with this stupid stubby uh, front. So that's what happened, and that's why I was like, ah, throw it away. Oh, like, you know, not throw it away. <laughs> um, I got it back out and done it two hours later. Oh, wow, okay. Hey, that's a great story. It's a gra- I, You know, I felt... And I spent a long time <laughs> discussing with someone about, like, so this is why it was difficult. This is why I realised I'd done it wrong. And then I even got on my graph paper to show, like, this is why it was when, you know, there was immense satisfaction in being able wow. to, like, finally get over that hurdle where it's, like, sat for so long. And I was like, I'm a good knitter again. And I felt very kind of... I should start purposefully putting projects away with very little left I mean... to do just to get that satisfaction. You know, um, I, the other day I was... Uh, organising my room a little and I came across a uh, project bag that I knew had a pair of socks in that I knew right. was almost finished and I sort of thought I probably have like half of no I just have to graft one toe I've even mm. grafted the other one literally all that he's doing is, that, is grafting yeah. one toe why did I just do that yeah. why are they still there no one knows <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't do it when I found them <laughs> I was just like oh I just had to graft a heel on two socks I found them <laughs> socks are great why not yeah I'm sure you know I'm sure Everyone listening can be like, oh, yeah, had that. Maybe this encourage you to find those projects like that. And, you know, you can put aside this hour of the podcast to oh, yeah, get them finish. done. Okay. 
Okay, so now we're on to the review section of the podcast, and we will be handing over to our US correspondent, Ms. Megan Fernandez. I love doing that. <laughs> I know. Um, Megan is reviewing Travelling Yarn. Indeed. Lovely sponsors for this episode. So let's hear it from Megan. Coming to you from Austin, Texas, where I have been lucky enough to receive the yarn for uh, this month's yarn review. Um, One of the perks of being in the U.S. is that when we have a U.S.-based yarn, uh, the yarn gets sent to me over here. So um, I had the perfect knit night um, knitting, and it was really fun to get the reactions of my fellow knit nighters as well. Uh, And yeah, so I have some gorgeous yarn to share with you guys today. Uh, first of all, I think I'm going to start with um, Yarnless Traveled's Proclamation Base. Um, and before I had gotten it in the mail and kind of really gotten to know it, I thought that it might be really good for the Moon Dust Mitten Hats that are in the issue 26 Moon issue of Pom Pom that came out this fall. Um, but it didn't work out. And so I learned a little bit about what this yarn is really perfect for. Um, and something maybe cabled is not it. Um, cause there are tiny little cables on, um, the moon adjustments and the hat. I had like started to swatch that, realized it wasn't working out. And I was like, this is not what this gorgeous yarn was meant to be. Um, and to tell you a little bit about the yarn, um, it is naturally dyed. It has 50%, um, blue face luster from the UK. Um, it has baby alpaca, um, from Peru. So it's like half BFL, half alpaca. And I think it's that alpaca content that made it just too drapey for, um, like a cabled hat. And so I thought, what, what would this be really good for? And it's the kind of yarn that I would have made like a ton of lace shawls out of back in the day when I was in my lace shawl craze. Um, and I thought like, you know, maybe I don't need to be out of this phase yet. So what I did was I swatched for the Arosa shawl from two spring issues ago, and it came out really beautifully. Um, I think that's the, if you want something drapey, then that um, this yarn is perfect for that. And it's kind of it's got like romantic colors. The color that I got is called Silverfish. Gail, who is our office manager in Austin and was at Knit Night tonight, called it Duck Egg Blue, and it is quite blue um, as well as being silvery. It's just really gorgeous, but it kind of has like kind of creamy ivory undertones to it. Um, but I will definitely take a picture for you guys so you can see. Um, but yeah, anything that you want some drape in, I feel like it would make a really gorgeous, um, lightweight top. Um, Gail suggested the Vara tee from a couple summers ago would be really good. I think it's issue 17. And I agree. Like if you live somewhere where, um, it doesn't get too hot and like a woolly tee, would be good for you. I think that this would be perfect. Um, and just comes in these really gorgeous romantic colors. The label is really beautiful. Um, this base is called proclamation fibers, by the way. Yeah. Gorgeous stuff. Um, and this is maybe a color that I wouldn't totally normally 
be drawn to, but like in person, it's, um, just so silvery and pretty. I love it. So speaking of yarn that I am like definitely attracted to, um, and like no doubt about it is this purple, gorgeous color called witchy woman. Um, it's so cool. The, the, um, base itself is called dreamliner. Um, and it's 70% blue face luster, 20% silk and 10% cashmere. And Christina, who comes to at night was like, this is going to be like lustrous, like with that kind of fiber content, like it is, but, um, it's really multicolored. Um, like I said, the color is called witchy woman and it's this really amazing mix of purple, blue, brown, um, some gold, almost like a rusty orange. And that's like a lot of colors to be in one skein of yarn, but it's really gorgeous. And I used to be obsessed with royal purple and it's been a while since I have indulged in that. But this, the, the like rich kind of royal purple in this is really gorgeous. And I love how it's kind of toned down by the rusty brown. Um, so that is a lot of colors. And so sometimes I'm like, Ooh, how's that going to knit up? And I can tell you that it knits up better than I could have imagined. It's super gorgeous. Um, this is one of those colors that would work so well in, um, like a Caitlin Hunter style color work sweater. Um, it's kind of got that like painterly effect. Uh, yeah, it's gorgeous. And in fact, I'd love to see it in an ish shell, maybe like a light colored ish Ishell, or the, um, and if you're not familiar with Ishell, it's the um, amazing moon colorwork sweater on the cover of our current fall issue um, that's got like moon phases and stars and stuff. But if there was like, like a pale um, lilac background with this doing the moons, oh man, that would be amazing. Uh, so it's gorgeous. It was really lovely to work with. I did just a garter stitch swatch because I I do love the way that like variegated yarns show up in garter stitch. Um, and it's super gorgeous. Um, there's just like these really tiny little bumps of different rainbow colors coming through on it. Um, and I loved working with it. Everybody at night was like, what is this? I mean, it looks beautiful in the skein. It looks beautiful in it up. Um, wish I'm going, I think I'm going to have to come up with a reason to use the rest of the skein, but, um, you guys can win a skein of, um, one of these, well, either one of these yarns, both yarns are up for grabs. So, um, lucky person who gets to win it. Cause this, these are super gorgeous. And, um, if you haven't come across uh, less traveled yarn before, um, really cute labels and it comes in really sweet packaging. That's very exciting. The package on the outside says your yarn is here and yarn mail. And it's really sweet. And it was super fun to get in the mail. Um, and it was really gorgeous to knit with. So I can highly recommend checking it out. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Megan uh, for reviewing Traveling Yarn and don't forget
The guy's giving you a promo code. This is pretty cool. Use the code POMPOM and get 20% off your order at Travelling Yarn. Thanks so much, Travelling Yarn. Remember, there are pictures and links on the blog post. Uh, so that's pompommag.com to find out more about Travelling Yarn. Okay, so now we are on to our interview. This episode, we are speaking to Katie Green, who is an illustrator, designer, author, and crafter. One of those crafty, crafty, cool, interesting people. You can't really just pin them down to one description. And you guys might recognise her name from various POM publications, which she has contributed to. She did some beautiful illustrations in kind of like comic strip form, but that doesn't... Maybe more like graphic, like mini graphic novel form. Mm -hmm. Um, So like little illustrated stories. Uh, She did one called Knitting Saved My Life, which is the first... um, piece that Katie did for us that was issue 11 and she's done a few subsequently including um the Bowerbird Oh the Potential uh piece that she did for issue 11 mm-hmm. which we turned into a print which was very beautiful and for issue 18 I say one of my favorites is uh issue 18 was our natural dyes oh, issue yes. she did beautiful illustrations of all the plants and flowers that were used to dye the yarns that were featured in the patterns we have those as botanical postcards in the shop, if you fancy that as well. We so, do uh, indeed. Just a little um, plug for that one. <laughs> and I, uh, when I was uh, getting ready to do this little, when we were getting ready to do this little intro, uh, had a quick look at Katie's bio on her website, and mm-hmm. I thought there was a very beautiful sentence she had written um, about herself, which I'm just going to read verbatim, because I think in her own words she describes um, her approach to making and crafting very beautifully she says whether it's drawing or knitting the act of creating more than any finished product is why i do what i do be it a book a dress or a cake i relish the meditative quality of my hands and mind being utterly absorbed in the making wonderful well let's hear some more words with katie now Friday. We're very happy to be in the Pom Pom Studio with Katie Green. Woo! Hello! <laughs> Katie Green, happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you very much. It's a, a treat for us to have you here, uh, especially because you brought cake. Well, you can't have a birthday and not bring cake. Yeah, describe for the listeners what, what we've got here. Um, we have got Bakewell Tart, which my partner made, and it is made with homemade damson and apple jam. I mean, that's top level. I can confirm it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of level we expect from our interviewees. I know, you've already set the bar high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we said in our little intro, um, you'll know Katie from uh, the illustration work she you've done with Pom Pom. Uh, what do you kind of tell people you do when people say like oh what do you do what's that kind of phrase because we sort of said you're an everything kind of interesting <laughs> person do you have like an elevator pitch when people say i it's a question i find really hard to answer all right great we'll start with that one <laughs> illustrator doesn't quite cover it author sort of covers it but i've ended up doing other things recently i've been designing knitting patterns and i have a day job and yeah, I do lots of things and I never know how to answer that question. I'm sorry. I make stuff. That's will good. that do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that will do. I make stuff. Yeah. What a good job title. 
Um, well, based on your making making stuff uh, elevator pitch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, can, no, no, I like that because I would never quite know what to say when people ask me what I do either because I feel like it doesn't, there's no like um, answer that, but maybe everyone feels this way. I can certainly agree with that. And <laughs> yeah. I also like, you know, I just, you know, what do you, what do you do? Mm. I, I do lots of things that are not my job. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's a weird question that we ask. Um, well, let's start with a, a more sort of simple definition. Then you're you're drawing, you're illustrating, your graphic novels. Um, sort of how how did that sort of begin? I started drawing because I had a story that I wanted to tell. Um, I guess we might as well get straight in there. I don't think I'm shy about talking about my mental health history. I've lived through an eating disorder and sexual abuse and I needed to put that story out in the world somehow to kind of process it for myself and to help other people who were going through it know that they weren't on their own. I was kind of really dissatisfied with all the books I saw out there. They didn't quite get at the nitty gritty in the way that I wanted to. They all seemed like really, really simple and oh, just think positive or follow Jesus and everything will be okay. Right. Or they said, you're going to be stuck with this at the back of your mind forever. Both of which are not true. Like it, it gets better, but it takes ages and it's really hard work. So I wanted to tell a story that put both, both of those things across. And I figured that drawing was the best way to do it. So I learned to draw. Wow, so the story came first. The story came for first. It was originally yeah. going to be prose until I read a graphic novel. Mm. I was in my early 20s because I was one of those people who grew up thinking that comics were for people who couldn't read. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stupid people, people, you know, mm. or for kids. And I think I, um, I had this idea that I was going to tell it in stories, in images, and I thought I'd come up with something really original. And then one of my friends handed me it was Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Mm. And I was like, wow, this, this whole language that I didn't know existed. And I knew straight away it was the perfect language for me to tell the story I had to tell. So that at that point, I decided I need to go to art college and learn how to do this. And it was wow. all in service of that, that story. That's really incredible. Thanks. Um, and so the book that came out of that is the one... Is presumably the one that I think it is. It is the one that you think yeah. it's called. <laughs> Lighter than my shadow. I don't want to assume anything. <laughs> uh, that's actually the only book that I've written and illustrated in entirety myself. I've done a few collaborations with other authors and, mm. and people, but that's my own. I guess it's autobiography, graphic memoir they call it. Yeah. Oh wow! Oh, that's a lovely phrase. Mm. Yeah, because graphic novel isn't quite right because mm. it's not a novel. Yeah. Autobiography is a bit weird because it's not my whole life. It's just a, a snapshot. So yeah, graphic memoir. Um, and I mean, so Lighter Than My Shadow was published how long ago? Five, Five years, years ago. Because I was going to say it would have been, have been not around, like when we first started working with you, I feel like it was still newish. Maybe that was <laughs> yeah. four, four years well, ago or something. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Megan, I think, mm. Megan found the book and sort of said to you, this book yeah just look at this book really <laughs> yeah no and it is it is um like you know i would recommend it to anyone anyone who's listening to this who hasn't seen it definitely um like search it out yeah, and you. since publishing it have you heard from people who 
um, has like, have you heard back the sorts of things you would have liked to based on the yeah. reasons that you put it into the world? Yeah, very much so. I um, get quite an overwhelming amount of heartfelt contact from mm. people who are struggling or friends or family of people who are struggling who say, you've helped me understand my sister, my brother, my friend, my cousin. Um, it's really amazing to have actually achieved what I set out to do. It really and, is. Yeah, that's mm. the most important thing about it because I, you know, I feel a bit weird about having put something so personal out into the world and it you know the weirdest thing is when I meet somebody and they already know so much about me mm. but you know to get one of those letters or emails is is really astounding mm. well, thank you or well, I guess we say thank you for sharing that with us <laughs> on the podcast right Aww, now thank you yeah. for me. I'm sure there's people you know who will find something from this conversation as well it's far more common than we think, and I think that's what really made me decide I had to talk about it, mm. because so many people don't talk about it. Even, I think, abuse more than eating disorders. People just don't have words for it, and it's far more common that for people to have some kind of experience like that. So I really want to just be honest and open about it and help people realise that it's not something to be ashamed of. Mm. That's a really wonderful thing to do. <laughs> I suppose the I just wanted to bring it around to the illustrations that you've done with Pompo, especially one um, called "Knitting Saved My Life." Oh yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, it was mm. so sort of drawing. Sort of well, if people haven't seen us, how would you sort of uh, tell about that story? What would you? Well, say? I guess it's it's kind of a it's a little epilogue to Life of the My Shadow in a way because uh, for better or worse, I had a bit of a mental health meltdown after finishing the book which is probably not surprising I worked on it for five years mm. without any kind of break and it was emotionally intense and when I finished it I sort of didn't know what to do with myself mm. um so I picked up my knitting needles for the first time since I was like seven probably I learned with my grandma um, and I just got really inspired and started knitting and got obsessed with knitting and it became this huge thing in my life and that's when I approached Pom Pom and was like I have an idea for a comic about this would you be up for it and you said yes <laughs> <laughs> which was brilliant um but yeah it just tells the story of how knitting is therapeutic on so many different levels mm. um, like the meditative quality of of the motion but also making something and doing something doing something that takes time I think is really important about knitting mm. it's um it's not an instant result. Mm. There's a lot yeah. to learn mental health-wise from that. Yeah, when, um, it's often, and you guys probably get this response as well, when I tell people I knit, um, oh, I wish I had the patience for that. And I yeah. always say, <laughs> actually, it taught me the patience yeah, it because, you. Um, you know, I've done things sort of too fast or not, for, you know, but you just, you learn that you have to put a certain amount of time into it uh, in order to get the results that you want and you might have to go back and do something again and... I'm more and more inclined to do that. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just getting older. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about the challenge as well. I think knitting more than any other craft I've encountered, there's always something new to learn. You don't, you don't really reach the peak of it. There's always some new thing to experiment with, some new fibre to try, mm. some, some different technique. Um, and that's really amazing. I think that it just keeps going and developing. Yeah, and I think... Um... A lot of people 
uh, well, when Megan and I saw your submission or your idea for um, for the magazine, we thought it was great for many, many reasons. And one of them was, I mean, a lot of the time people do talk about um, the mental health benefits of crafting in general and specifically for us, obviously, because we're all very entrenched in the knitting world. <laughs> you know, we feel that more keenly and see it more commonly probably uh, with knitting. Um, but I felt like probably for the same reasons that you felt like your um, graphic memoir would work very well in picture form. I really liked the idea of telling that story that a lot of us um, can relate to or have seen happen in story form. That just felt like a really nice way to see it, especially as knitters, often quite visual people, potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we're sort of around the topic... um, uh, as we've just discussed, much of your work features themes of mental health and body image, um, body positivity, and the effect that making your own clothes has had on your health. So that's, I think, referring to other subsequent um, uh, little pieces that you've done mm-hmm. for Pom Pom. I wanted to ask if you'd be able to talk a bit about why making clothes has had that kind of impact on you, and why you find it such a positive experience. Sure. I mean, it's been hugely empowering experience you know initially because it's something that I always thought I'd like to do and never thought I would be capable of Mm. oh I'd really love to make my own clothes but how could I possibly ever learn how to do that so to be in a position where I am confident enough to do it is amazing but also it's like a political statement being able to make your own clothes you know the the ability to choose your own colours make your own choices about shape what suits you what is in fashion or not in fashion or you know all of that becomes irrelevant Mm. and it's just in your control and I think that is really really exciting and special Um, for me for various reasons there's different shapes of clothes that I struggle with because they draw attention to certain parts of my body that I've always felt uncomfortable with so at this stage in my making I'm choosing to make things that challenge those mm. those ideas so i'm sitting here wearing trousers you are you've probably never seen me in trousers before yeah but i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> i've been terrified of trousers for years so um at the moment in my sewing i'm doing quite a bit of trouser making cool um, i mean trousers as well not the easiest thing to make so yeah no. there's <laughs> a great empowerment in both exactly. aspects of that yeah but yeah, for me, it's a, you know, to go out in public in trousers is mm. saying, you know, I'm not defined by things that happened to me in the past that made me feel uncomfortable in trousers. So amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things to me, making my own clothes. Did that sort of, uh, I'd say it's a hobby or interest, did that sort of coincide with the knitting or is it something that's evolved? Yeah, knitting definitely started it. It was, um, I guess, I got into adapting knitting patterns first because... I was sick of making things following patterns and they just didn't quite fit right. And that was no fault of the pattern. It's mm. just because we're all a different shape. And, you know, coming to understand and respect that rather than be annoyed at my body for not being the right shape was a big change in the way I thought. And then I got, you know, from adapting patterns to thinking, well, I could just tweak this and tweak that. And it's a short step from that to designing your own knitting patterns. And you know, it's just that easy, yeah. Really. yeah well, I don't know. But, you know, I I like to do my own thing as well. Mm. So I I often follow a pattern for the general concept and the idea, but I will always make changes that I know, well, 
actually I want that sleeve to be a bit wider for my personal preference. Mm. I want that armhole to be a bit deeper. I want that to be a bit shorter, longer. Mm. And the empowerment of being able to make those choices is something I love about knitting. It's, yeah, it's great. It is. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to just run off and do some knitting now. I'd be interested to talk about um, sort of knitting... Uh, and you know making and illustrating and I feel there's always such a a, a connection with a choice of tools and a maker mm-hmm. do you find like there's any sort of um, similarities with that or do you find the ways that you kind of produce drawings is similar with the way you produce like knitting designs any you know if there's not any matches then that's another interesting topic we can discuss <laughs> but uh... I think there are some matches but not many Mm. and I think that's because the kind of materials that you use for drawing are not as diverse and place-based as they are for knitting and Mm. one of the things I love about knitting is you know buying souvenirs from places you've been on holiday Mm. and then you know imbuing meaning into your project through the yarn that you've chosen and you know I mean I guess I could be the kind of illustrator who made my own inks out of oak goals that I found on the ground. Kept in French style. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. But for me in drawing, I'm pretty attached to this one particular brand of pen that I like. And I will Tell probably... Me. It's a uh, Pigma Micron pen. Yeah. Zero one. Nice one. Mm-hmm. Zero, zero five sometimes. <laughs> zero one. Mostly. You're wild, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I probably will never switch to another brand of pen. Okay. Mm-hmm. But definitely my approach to drawing is meticulous and detailed and planned and that has a lot of you know crossover with knitting but not so much in the choice of materials Mm. interesting Mm. yeah I was I wonder if I don't know I feel like yeah in some ways it sort of feels like ah, I am a craft person so I approach all craft in the same way but actually maybe they all come come slightly differently I don't know maybe there's an untapped market out there for like souvenir pens from different parts of the country yeah like, this is yeah from here and i feel like part of my uh, question was are you a stationary snob <laughs> i think i am a stationary snob but it's not it's not the same as being a wilson yeah so you have your type of pen you like that's so it you don't think oh I'll try this or like you less maybe you sort of less experimental i guess or you think it's the i think that different I think approach the time for experiment for me has passed okay i'm quite and that's not to say I will never experiment, but I've done a lot of experimenting. I'm happy with the tools that I've chosen. Mm. I guess you would liken it to knitting needles. Mm. You know, you try lots of different ones and then you pick, for me, your Chiagos because they're awesome. Um, you found your sort of style. I found, almost, yeah. I found my perfect knitting needle. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the equivalent is the the pen or the paintbrush mm. to the knitting needle rather than to the yarn mm. that makes sense mm. well you're pretty prolific with projects i feel because uh, <laughs> uh we want to talk about the green bean zine mm. uh which is a great name i've decided to say it out loud until now and i was like i love that uh tell us more about that well the reason it's called the green bean is because when i was at school there were Seven other people called Katie in wow. that year. 1983 was the year of the Katie. The year of the mm-hmm. Katie. Um, and so to identify us, they all called us by, the, by our surnames, and mine got extended to Green Bean, so it just stuck. Nice. And when I decided I wanted to make a zine, I asked people what I should call it, and the answer was obvious. 
Yeah. So, I like the playground logic of green bean. Yeah, green, sure. green. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, the name stuck, and it's something that I always wanted to do from when I was a kid, and I'm sure you two will relate to this. I wanted to make my own magazine. I do relate to yeah. this. <laughs> you followed through, on this. and it's you know it's the same as the graphic novel. I wanted to create something because I wanted to read it. It didn't exist mm. in the world, and therefore I wanted to make the thing that I wanted. Um, it's obviously, it's on quite a different scale than Hong Kong. It's entirely drawn by hand in my own little studio. Yeah. Um, I occasionally have collaborations with other artists, but mostly it's a single-handed affair. Um, yeah, I, I've actually been taking a break from it for the last couple of years. I was going to say, when I was still checking the things in the interview, I was like, oh, oh, when can I buy one? I was like, oh, it's not there. <laughs> um, it's not there because most of them are sold out now. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, well done. Yeah. Um, it will be coming back. I'm working on reviving it. It's going to change. I think I want some elements of it to be printed in colour. Um, cool. Change the contents up a little bit. And um, take my time. I think what I realised about publishing magazines single-handed is that it's hard. It takes a long time. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Process. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> Do you think you have more books in you? I'd like to hope so. Yeah. But Light of My Shadow is kind of a tough thing to follow up from, and I think that's where I've been the last few years, mm. is obviously recovering from it. And I think I'm about there now. The book took five years, and now I've taken five years to get over it. Um, which is, yeah, I'm just about ready to think about what might be next. But, you know, I th- remember ten years ago one of my friends asking me, Katie, what nervous breakdown are you going to have to write your next book about and you know she was kidding Mm. but it's a serious question what do you write after Mm. you've written that I don't you know a kind of light-hearted fantasy story about elves probably (laughs) isn't the right place to go I don't know well maybe it is it's that you know (laughs) completely uh on the other side of the spectrum completely unexpected but yeah I don't know what what it will be but I would definitely like to make more books yeah yeah. Start with zines and build Start out. with the green beam first. That's my uh, my first love, and I want it to come back. Well, I guess we'll have to keep posted on future projects. But mm-hmm. uh, for the moment, you mentioned at the beginning of your day job, which mm-hmm. is with Black Yarns, which of course yeah. many listeners will know about. Uh, what sort of thing do you get up to there? I have been at Black Yarns for just over a year and a half, and I am currently leading the team there, which is crazy and exciting and. You know, people ask me what is a typical day like, and it's one of those jobs where there is no typical day, and that's what I love about it. It's um, always something different. And I think people kind of idealise working in the yarn industry a bit. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you get to touch all the wool all the time, and I do get to touch all the wool all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But I also write a lot of emails and do a lot of spreadsheets, but I also get to go out on the moors and take pictures of wool and pictures of jumpers and design colour palettes and all the fun stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's an amazing varied job and I've learned a huge amount since I've been there. It's good being in the Yarny industry and mm. getting to go to the shows and meet all your favourite people, but it's also work. It's, yeah, it's great. Well, great. Well, we'll be seeing you again at Black Yarndale, I guess. That's yeah. uh, yeah. next on the calendar. Knitting people at knitting shows. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yarndale. I think yes. um, my family used to have holidays in Skipton every year, mm. twice a year. So Skipton is very 
close to my heart and I always love going back there. So. It is, um, I have to say, the best cup of tea I've ever had at a show of any wow. kind. <laughs> um, well, I want to circle back around to green bean related things um, because you, of course, have a, what do we call it, video podcast? Do you even call vlogs? Do, do, is they still called vlogs these days? I. It's not a word I've ever used. Okay. But also, quite, I, quite I 90s. <laughs> podcast is entirely the wrong word because it's video. Right. But that's what people call them. So yeah. that's what it's called. Okay. Well, podcast then. So you make a, a visual podcast. I do make a visual podcast. Um, also called Green Bean. Also called the Green Bean because I... Because why would well, you change well, it? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> We're still trying to find all the riffs on pom pom and how you can like work with that word. So yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it'd be interesting to hear more about um, how and why you started it. And... Well, it's kind of the same old thing. Mm. I was watching knitting podcasts, and I love watching knitting podcasts. But I thought that I would like to do one that was different. Mm. So I thought, why not just get on and do that? So yeah. why do you I think did. yours is different? Um, I find it slightly hard when people talk about buying things all the time Mm -hmm. Um, and that you know I also kind of enjoy it when people talk about buying things all the time but it's not something everybody can do Um, true you know I'm not saying that I don't buy all things all the time (laughs) I do like to buy a lot of yarn but I don't know sometimes it seems like that can be the focus when actually the focus should be what I want the focus to be, the nitty gritty, crafty side of things. And the other thing is that's different is that I draw on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like it really enjoyed the format of knitting podcasts and there's loads of them, but I couldn't find anyone doing the same thing for drawing. Mm, so I that's interesting. Give it a try. I found a few since, um, but people have given me really nice feedback about the format. I'm not really one for just sitting there and talking to the camera I'm very uncomfortable so I I tried doing that when I recorded the first episode and it was just rubbish so what I did is got my knitting and knitted along Mm. Um, and I do the same with sewing and with drawing I do all the things that I'm talking about on camera and people seem to like watching that yeah I I mean I (laughs) I enjoy watching people make things but I think that also that's it's really nice to hear because I think one of the things uh, about knitting that makes it um, a positive community and experience for lots of people is that feeling of not feeling awkward when you're not talking. You know, like if you, I think um, Anna Maltz, I can't remember which issue it's in, but um, in Anna Maltz's column in the magazine, I remember her picking up on this, that often knitting is helpful in that way because maybe you go to the knitting group and you don't have to say much, but you're not I mean, just sitting there makes it sound like I think just sitting there is a bad thing. I don't, but I know that it can feel uncomfortable for lots of people, myself included. And so having a something to do whilst you're communicating or not really helps that. And so it makes total sense to me that you would... Like, I don't think I would want to sit and talk to a camera. I think I would be much more comfortable doing something. We still struggle sitting down, sitting in front of a microphone, talking at it. With yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's a hard thing to do. You know, you know that you have an audience out there. Mm. Of course, when I recorded the first podcast, I didn't know I had an audience out yeah. there. I thought I was literally talking to the camera. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is weird to have a conversation with yourself. At least you have each other when you're on That's podcast. true. <laughs> it just seemed natural to me to mm. make it part of it. Mm. rather it, you know it's better not better but it's different to sit there and talk about making something 
Whereas actually, if you're talking about a technique, why not be doing that technique? I mean, especially if you've got the visual medium that makes so much sense. And I was thinking that for you, obviously, not obviously, but the the fact that you can um, include your drawings and be able to show them and show yourself drawing makes total sense to make it a video podcast. Mm. Yeah, and people love watching drawing. And it's also something that it's forced me to do is actually draw more. Mm, That's good. I just think, well, I might as well record a bit of podcast this evening, set up the camera draw and I stand there and I draw and because I'm on video I don't go and check my phone or unnecessarily go to the bathroom five times or think oh I should probably call my mum yeah 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 that kind of um once the camera's on I'm like I can at least stand here for 20 minutes and do this yeah (laughs) so uh we always like to know what people are making uh what's on your needles right now I it being September Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to mention the c word but I have started to think about Christmas presents and I've just cast on a Christmas stocking for my nephew. Oh, that's so cool. I've always wanted to make a Christmas stocking. Um, and me being me, I will also be making one for my sister and her partner and the cat all before Christmas because that's totally Does achievable. the cat get four? Because it's a four-legged animal. Oh, I, I didn't know. think of that. No, 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 going to no, get no. a small one. Yeah, just for a, Just to get a little, little cat mouse toy. toy. Yeah. So <laughs> sweet. It's yeah. adorable. But yeah, that's, that's what's going on the needles at the moment. Excellent. Uh, and I guess people, now they've heard about all your projects and places you uh, do all these things, they're going to need to know where to find you. Mm-hmm. So I suppose Green Bean Podcast. Green Bean Podcast. Just type that on YouTube and that's there. Or Katie Greenbean is the way to go. I am fortunate enough to have bagged the same username on all of the internet nice. about 15 years ago. So on Ravelry, Instagram, all all of the things. If you look for Katie Greenbean, you will find me there. Fantastic. Well, it's been wonderful having you. It's been wonderful to be here with you lovely ladies. Yeah, thank Thank you you so much. (laughs) And you you. brought the sunshine. Yeah. Thanks again to Katie for joining us uh, now in sound form. She's joined us many times in illustration form <laughs> in the magazine. Um, yeah, now in sound. <laughs> Set loan for text files. We've got a story-based uh, text files for you today. Uh, text files is, of course, uh, unpicking the rich scene that is uh, the etymology of cloth, fibre and uh, fabric-based Idioms. Idioms and sayings. Note to anyone who doesn't know, that is a little riff on the X-Files theme tune. <laughs> so, are you feeling, how are you feeling? A bit sleepy? Are you having trouble getting to sleep? You know what? I do sometimes have trouble getting to sleep. Thanks so much for asking, Sophie. That's all right. Well, surely you're nice and awake because you're listening to this podcast, but uh, <laughs> um, you might recommend uh i might recommend counting sheep to you mm-hmm. what an yes. interesting phrase you you say <laughs> yeah well i was uh, earlier i was musing in my brain that sheep and sleep rhyme with each other is this why this is a thing i mean if only it was that simple oh. um so i've done a little uh research on this so the idea of it actually being linked to sleep goes all the way back to the 12th century uh, of course, the fact-checking on text files is open to discussion, <laughs> but we found a really interesting story uh, from an Islamic source um, called Disciplina Pericaris. Mm. So, 
Settle down for your little story. Settled. Are you feeling cosy? Very. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a king who had a storyteller telling him <gasps> stories before he went to bed that every great. night. I want a kid. I want a storyteller. Well, you got one, baby. Yay! One night, down to worries about the day's business, he was not able to go to sleep, yeah. and the king demanded extra stories of the storyteller. <laughs> this is a great. I feel like what what's actually happened is there was a toddler who was very demanding. <laughs> go on. <laughs> But the storyteller was too tired and wanted to go to sleep himself. <laughs> Classic storyteller, am I right? So he decided to tell the story to the king that required him to count sheep. A farmer went to market and bought 2,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. <laughs> Returning home, he found his way blocked off by a flood-swollen river. Along the shore was a small boat that he could carry only two sheep at a time. The farmer put two sheep in the boat and crossed over. The farmer needed to do that a thousand times in order to get his sheep home. So, according to this... (laughs) I'm going to be an actress next, just to let you know. I'm taking bookings. (laughs) That was my uh, audition tape. Book at bedtime. So the storyteller fell asleep just after stating that the farmer put two sheep into the boat. The king woke up the storyteller immediately and requested that he told him the rest of the story. His response was that the farmer had to make sure he got all the sheep over the river safely, so therefore he had to count the sheep in time with the farmer. This meta-story, which is a nice phrase, clearly depends on the common understanding that the practice of counting sheep to fall asleep. Mm. So we haven't found the root of the cause, but I really enjoyed that story. Me too. And I was feeling quite sleepy, but then uh, I'm now revived from my nap. Good. So thank you. <laughs> power nap. Always worth having. Disco nap. Don't feel too sleepy just yet, because we're now ending the podcast with top three. Some would say their favourite. They ranked the top three items <laughs> that you find in this podcast. Who's to say? Some would put it in third place. Some would put it in third. That's all right. They'd be wrong. <laughs> so we choose a different theme each week and list our favourites. Our top three, if you will. Um, we were having a think back of some of the classic top threes we've done. And actually, this is a repeat. Possibly the first time we've done a repeat of a theme. But we think it's something that can be revisited, which is our top three podcasts. And we're saying that off the moment. And I don't know about you. I'm always looking for a new podcast recommendation. Same. Um, so I look forward to hearing our top three, Sophie. Do you want to kick off? I mean, most of mine are recommendations from you. Often. I feel like you're the only person really who knows, I know, who listens to podcasts as much as I do. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's not... Every now and then I'll meet somebody who also listens to podcasts a lot and it's really fun. Because you're like, oh my god, what about this one? And, uh, and you know, you'll know about the different podcast production companies mm. and things like that. But yeah, it's true. We're, we're um, a rare breed. A rare breed, us pod uh, pod listeners. Also, because I don't see Eli as much. I feel Eli used to oh, feed yeah. me a lot of podcast recommendations. Mm. Okay. So, actually, you didn't tell me about this when we found it out through the podcast. Mm. I'm really into Collage Creative, Mm. which is Amy Small of Nick Collage, who we interviewed just a couple of podcasts ago. Um, And I hadn't listened to her podcast now. I hadn't listened to it as religiously as I do now uh, since we've talked to her and interviewed her, because I think there's such a wealth of podcasts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have time to listen to them all. But I find... uh, the enthusiasm, the sort of genuine interest that Amy has about businesses. And it's not just a textile base. It's just, uh, there's a really interesting one with a person who does fire arranging. I really enjoyed that. Um, I think it's interesting 
you know, working as I do, I don't know if you know, for like a smaller independent business. It's very interesting. Mm. So Collage Creative, Amy Small of Nick Collage. And she's got a great sunshine voice. I mean, who she really want that? does. Who doesn't want that down their ear holes? <laughs> um, another, number two. Mm-hmm. I can't even say that was number three. Number two. Uh, I'm back into My Dad Wrote a Porno because a new series is on. <laughs> I'm laughing because I too listen yeah. to that and it's very, very funny. Although unsettling sometimes. Uh, if you don't know the concept already, it's um, a guy whose dad has written his own amateur erotic novel and his two friends read it. Every episode's a new chapter and uh, amateur is the keyword here with the... Uh, <sighs> The oh, just the the syntax, the the character development, the timeline, just everything about it. It's very clear that the man who wrote the books is not a professional writer, and not even. I think it's fair to say not even a, a good amateur writer. Professional lover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that he's managed to have children and quite a successful marriage by the sounds of it. And uh, anyway, sorry, this is your one, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, not suitable for work. We'll definitely nope. uh, point that out. But if you like the silly and you like the it's, it's a little rude, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, if you like innuendo and you're okay with um, no, dirty words. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very funny. And uh, the new series is back on, so I am relishing that right now. Relishing is probably too uh, strong a word for that. <laughs> uh, oh my god, no, what's not going to be number one? Number one is something you recommended to me. Because I said, I need something which is like... Easy to listen to. Like, you don't always want the funnies in the podcast. No. Sometimes you just need something a little bit more cerebral, but nothing that's going to, like, tax you. I mean, this can be taxing. Anyway, I'm really enjoying On Being with... Who you were going to say On Being? Kristen Tippett, who talks to everyone. The end. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great concept. (laughs) Sort of, what's the phrase she uses as, like, what defines us as being human? Yeah, she, I mean, I think, I forget now, but is she like a, a professional? She like writes about like philosophy and religion and kind mm. of spirituality and, but that sort of makes it sound a little bit more woo than it is. It's a lot more like, it's a, more just like introspection. Mm. The reason I would recommend it to someone is that it makes me think about things that I maybe don't think about enough. So it takes me onto a deeper level mm. of thinking about religion or spirituality or nature or just i mean because she and, you know she cause she, to all the things <laughs> she talks to all sorts of people doesn't she? sometimes she's there's a few really interesting ones where she talks to for example um like people who are part um maybe like prominent parts of various religious communities mm. uh, but she also talks to like poets and writers and scientists and just all sorts of people i think it's exposed me to stuff i would probably wouldn't think about normally but also I've had it on the background, and I think sometimes there's such a, a level of uh, discussion and deepness that it's almost all right to let it wash over me and just kind mm. of absorb it in a, mm. not in a passive way, but just to be like, I like things in the background, and I think that's more of a easy thing to listen to in a deeper way, if that's not an oxymoron. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it is. it sounds like something that you'd have to really pay attention mm. to, but there's not really like a storyline that you need to keep yeah. hold of. So you can just kind of dip in and out, I think, if you're listening. I think, personally, one of my favourite episodes of that was the one with Naomi. She had Nye, the, I still haven't listened the, to that. the poet. Yeah. Um, that was a real standout one. All right, so my top three 
of late. So this is, you know, it's a constantly, it's a swirl of podcasts. Just imagine both of us, like, you know, constantly swapping podcast stories and then getting podcast stories from other people. At the moment, my top three. While making our own podcast. <laughs> While making our own podcast. Um, at number three, I'm going to go for No Such Thing as a Fish, mm-hmm. which is um, a podcast that's, uh, it's sort of, how should I describe it? It's, it's four people, and it's normally the same four people, but occasionally it's other people who they bring in who might be like fun authors or just different members of the team. But it's made by the researchers who work on QI, which is a panel show that I think is pretty well known. It's a, a British uh, panel show. It used to be um, hosted by Stephen Fry and now by T- Sandy Toxvig. Um, that's kind of like facts-based, like interesting facts. And the podcast is um, the four... Uh, people who are doing it at that point bring uh, a fact each and then they all kind of riff on it so they all I, I'm assuming that they all know what facts they're going to look at in advance and they I don't mean I mean they all know each other's facts they all know they, what a fact is yes they've, they've heard of facts and they get ready to talk about them um, but they're all very very funny they're very quick and they're all very knowledgeable you know they spend all of their time researching all sorts of things for this TV show so they've all got quite um you know, interesting things, I think. And I just like how, like, there's a lot of puns, a lot of witticisms. It makes me laugh a lot. And every now and then I remember a fun fact. Mostly I don't. I've got to be honest. Mostly it just kind of keeps me entertained. But I find that to be a really good backgroundy one as well. Because again, there's not really a story per se. So you can kind of listen and dip in and out. Um, and yeah, it makes me giggle. Uh, there were a lot of facts about the Macarena, for example, oh. in one of, a re- one of the recent episodes I listened to. But there'll also be like interesting kind of like animal facts, science facts. I think one of them is a physicist, and so he um, often brings a little more uh, <laughs> you know, gravity. Science, gra- yes, very good. That was a good so joke. you should be on no such thing as a fish. He'd be great. <laughs> um, so that at the moment is my number three. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So at number two, I have uh, Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, nice. I actually haven't listened to all of the episodes of this podcast. I've only listened to a choice few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ones that I've listened to, I've really, really, really enjoyed. Um, I've kind of cherry-picked the ones that I wanted to that are all broadly music-related, actually. He did a really brilliant episode on the um, story of the song Hallelujah, the Leonard Cohen song. Uh, just for the record, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan. But... The episode uh, is... face tattooed on you, don't you? <laughs> yeah. No, Lillian, oh, on a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I found really interesting, I think that you wouldn't have to be a Leonard Cohen fan to... Re- you know, it, it's... You know, if you are a Leonard Cohen fan, it's even more interesting. But the episode is really about how songs are finished. And mm. he kind of posits the idea that when Leonard Cohen first released the song Hallelujah, because it's very different, the original version. If you've just heard, like, the Jeff Buckley slash John Cale version, and then you hear the original, it sounds quite strange and, like, not as good, really. Honestly, I don't think the Leonard Cohen version is is as good. And his idea is that when that version, it, the song hadn't quite found its place, mm. hadn't quite, like, found its feet as a song. It was, like, still in Genesis, and it took someone else hearing it and adding something to it to bring it to its final kind of perfect song form. So I can't speak for all the episodes, Mm. but there are a few episodes of that podcast which have been really stand out for me in terms of like favourite bits of audio I've listened to in the last, like, at least the last year. You had me at Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, he does all sorts of, a lot of it's more, um, 
I think the concept of the podcast is bits of um, things that have happened, so history that's been kind of overlooked or ignored. Things that have happened. History. Because it's history. called revisionist history rather than revisionist things. That anyway, so I would recommend that and I'm sure that the episodes that I haven't listened to are also good. Excellent. So what's number one going to be? So at number one, at the moment... And I can't remember if I spoke about this one last time, but it doesn't matter. It's still, it remains a real favourite of mine. It's a uh, podcast called Reply All, mm. which I'm always telling people to listen to. And I don't think anyone has ever taken me up on listening to it. Whereas people often do listen to other podcasts that I've recommended and get into them, for example, on being Reply All. For some reason, it's a hard sell. No one seems to ever... Sell it now. Me. You've got the floor. So, okay, guys. So it's a podcast um, about the internet broadly is presented by two guys who I find very engaging and very funny and I think they do really great journalism and they also make me laugh so mostly it's stories about okay so for example there'll be somebody um they'll do things like about like viral videos where Mm -hmm. they'll kind of like do a bit of research behind to like find the genesis of it or there was one episode where um uh one of the presenters got one of those sales calls that's kind of confusing where they're like your computer's been hacked and you need to pay 200 pounds to he follows it through to the point where he goes to the call center that's scamming people like in a whole different country and like not in a kind of like i'm gonna get you it but just to be like what's going on here how does this work um and it's all stories about the internet but the internet is made of people and so it's really interesting because it's like the humans behind kind of mm weird things that happen on the internet that you forget that there are people behind. And I find it really, really fascinating. But one of my favourite segments is um, called Yes, Yes, No, where the two presenters, who are, you know, pretty internet savvy guys, they get the um, uh, the boss of the company they work for, Gimlet, who's a pod- which is a podcast company, to bring in tweets that he doesn't understand that are clearly like layers and layers of, com- of internet in-jokes, which yeah. I also don't understand. And then... So he'll bring in this tweet and it'll be like, what sounds to me like total, like, just, I mean, almost gibberish, like Mm. just jargon, like really extreme jargon. And so he'll read it out and everybody has to say whether they understand it or not. Mm. And so normally it's like, yes, yes, no. So the two presenters understand it and then they have to explain to him what it means. And just this process is, I find really interesting because the internet, like places like Reddit, and all these, I don't spend a lot of time in that part mm. of the internet. And Twitter, actually. I don't spend a lot of time in, like, proper Twitter land. I just find it really interesting the way people have created all these different languages and in-jokes that span, I mean, the the entire world, basically. You yeah. don't have to be in a particular place or time to really necessarily get it. You just have to kind of be in the know, be paying attention. And then at the end, once they've explained it all, there, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, I find that That's very, very entertaining. Well, um... That's the podcast. <laughs> this is great. We're talking about podcasts on a podcast. It's got a bit meta now. But Inception. Still haven't seen Inception. I see. I need to see Inception. Me neither. Oh, okay. Let's go watch Some it. homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I could just riff on it in a in a quote like that. So, what can we say? A little bit of housekeeping to finish up. Thanks for listening. Of course, um, you guys know you can always get in touch with us via the Pom Pom Ravelry forums. Lovely to see what you're knitting what you're chatting about there as well. Obviously, we have our own uh, email address as part of the internet. You can email us at podcast at pompommag.com. If you send a uh, copy and more than one person, we'll reply all. Hey! Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
we hope to see, we look forward to seeing you soon at uh, all the various places where we're going to be in the world <laughs> and if you do have any uh ideas or suggestions any top three topics that you would be interested in us either reviving or ones that we haven't done yet please do send them via all of the previous aforementioned yes uh yes. memes and if you've got any knitting memes need to be more knitting memes i might start doing that it's a good idea um We'd love to hear them. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for listening and bye. Bye. Comcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And thanks also to the whole Pom Pom team. It's getting bigger and bigger by the day. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks to our sponsors, Travelling Yarn, our interviewee, Katie Green, and a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop, pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pompom Ravelry Forum. Bye.